Welcome back to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. I'm Bob Brookover. And I'm Matt Breen. And guys, uh, it's been a while. It's been a few weeks since we did one of these. And, you know, I have a feeling that this is going to be a very different podcast than what we would have had a few weeks ago. Uh, You know, I was just looking back and after that win they had in New York on Labor Day, the Phillies were in fifth place in the National League, solidly in the playoffs. And here we are entering the last weekend of the season, uh, a three-game series at Tampa Bay, and they are on the outside looking in a half a game out of second place, a game out of a wild card spot. And guys, um, you know, it really kind of comes down to the end here. And, um, you know, I I guess we can start with saying like, what do you make of, of what's happened here over the last few weeks? We've, we've seen Philly's teams collapse the last two years. Does this, does this reek of that to you? Well, to, to, to me, it does not because, um, because there's no collapse yet because in an 18 playoff field, it ain't over till it's over. And it ain't, I'm not even sure when it's over, if it's going to be over. I don't think because it's so convoluted, the playoff system. I mean, I would, so we we have to watch how many teams, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Reds, uh, the Reds, uh, the Marlins. Is there anybody else? We're we missing somebody. Or is that it? Gabe Kapler's Giants. And, and the Giants. And how do we, how do I forget Gabe Kapler's Giants? I forget Gabe Kapler's Giants. So that's five teams every day you got to watch, and there's three games left in the season. Um, this is it's, what happens when you have an eight-team eight, eight field. Uh, it's insane. Yeah, and some of them are playing each other, and the Cardinals are not going to end up playing 60 games like everybody else. And, you know, oh, by the way, if you finish in second place ahead of the Marlins, then you're like the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, if you don't, you're the seventh or eighth seed or you're out. I mean, it's just – you're right. It's the, the possibilities are almost endless. It, it really is, and the and you know the the fact you said they were solidly in the fifth seed, they might still end up in the fifth seed, and I'm not sure you really want to be the fifth seed because if you're the fifth seed, you're going to have to play the fourth seed, who's San Diego Padres, who's the second best team in the National League, and this is just crazy. Yeah, I think this would have felt like the last two September's if this was a normal playoff format because that you you know you're looking at the final month through. Uh, you know, a, a, a different lens. And now this year, it's like, even with a tough loss, you know that the Phillies almost had to lose out to miss out on a playoff spot. And and if all, all they need to do now is win two or three to, to have a really good chance to make the playoffs this weekend. If they win all three games, it almost guarantees that they're going to get in. And it, it's the whole, this whole time I've been saying it's too hard for them to not make the playoffs because there's just too many spots to get in. They have three chances to get in the playoffs this weekend, and all three of them are almost equal to, to uh, like difficult to get in. So I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. Oh, but, oh, yeah, let's not forget they're playing the best team in the American League on the road where they stink for the last three games of the season. So I would not be shocked if they didn't For make sure, the but then <laughs> it's like what does that team have to have left to play for? So – and, and they have no, but, but you don't want, but on the other hand, you don't want to go into the postseason having lost three games in a row. You know, you don't, you don't want to all of a sudden not be a hot team. And we, we saw that happen to the Phillies in 2011. They kind of lost their way toward the end of the season, weren't the same team. So, you know, and they're still going to go out and play and, and try. And, you know, so it's, and there, and there's obviously talent there if they're the best team in the American league. So it's, I, I, that's why I just wouldn't be surprised. 
I wonder what we're going to get from the Rays, too, because, the, you know, they do have the best record in the American League to play for, I think, right? I, I don't... They do, so. Yeah, you know, and so, I, you know, I'm sure that they're going to want to... Uh, I'm sure that they're, you know, that they're going to want to make a run at that. I think also they're going to want to line themselves up for their first-round series, which for them begins on Tuesday. Um, you know, there is no buy this year for winning your division or for finishing with the best record, so... You know, I think they're going to want to rest some guys, but not too much. You know, I think that they're going to want guys to be to be sharp and ready to go. So I, I have a feeling you are going to see some stuff from the Rays this weekend. I don't I don't think this is a complete mail in job for them like it might be in, in other years. And I think the biggest biggest game is Friday night. You know, it really hinges on Vince Velasquez against Charlie Morton, because if, yeah. if you win that game, then you, you're looking at Nolan Wheeler. But if you lose Friday night, most likely it's over. So okay, that's, the, uh, let, that's let, the biggest deal. Let me be the devil's advocate again because I like being devil's advocate. And then you got Wheeler and Noah who have – they've not won – I think they haven't won a Wheeler start. Well, they've won a Wheeler start. He hasn't won a start in like four starts. And not that he's pitched bad. He, same thing with Noah. But they, they – obviously the last two times both of those guys pitched their lost game. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing guaranteed about anything here. Yeah, I think they're five and six in Nola starts and six and four in Wheeler starts. And that's neither of those records are remotely good enough, given how well those guys have pitched by and large uh, throughout the season. So, you know, you're putting your two best pitchers on the mound and you, you should feel good about that. But do they really and should they really, given how they've, they've played in some of those games with those guys on the mound? You know, I, I think um, – you know, I do think, though, that there is the larger question of what has happened to them over the last three weeks. And, you know, especially on the heels of last year and the year before. And granted, it was harder to make the playoffs last year and the year before. Uh, but, you know, they fell apart the way they did then. And every year is different and every circumstance is different. How much do you look at injuries, what they have lost to injury over the last three weeks as being the reason why this has happened? And how much do you say this group just has trouble um has trouble kind of closing the deal and getting over the top. I think you can put injuries into to this year's thing just because of of who the injuries were. You know, you lose JT Gramuto for 11 days uh, at a critical time. Uh, you have Harper not playing at 100% for during that time. You, you, you finally get Reese Hoskins going the way you want him going and and maybe the hottest bat on their team, and you lose him for the rest of the season. Um, so, I mean, those those three in particular, and then you lose Jake Arrieta in the rotation, um, and you lose, you know, I, Spencer Howard obviously wasn't great this year, but he had moments, and he certainly has the stuff that you can he could go out on any given night and, and give you what you, you're hoping for. So, I think – I think you can say injuries played a part in, in what has happened here because they had seemed to have righted themselves and gone in the right direction. And then as, as irony would have it, Matt Quintax said on one of his zoom calls, I really shouldn't say this. Right. Uh, we've been really healthy. And ever since that point, they haven't been. <laughs> um, and the, uh, for me, the Reese Hoskins injury is probably the biggest one because they, they were three games over 500 that night after they won that game. And now they're a game under 500 without them. They were two games under, obviously, going into last night. They've gotten almost no production out of first base. And 
Reese Hoskins was on a tear when he went when he went out, and it's just the you know they haven't been able to replace not only him at first first base but him in the lineup, and the teams went south since then. So I, if this you know if this fails to make they fail to make the playoffs this weekend, I think you look back to that night in Miami as the night that this whole thing went south. I think one of one of the things we've noticed too in, in this whole thing is, that's really jumped out at me is just the the tremendous lack of outfield depth with with Andrew McCutcheon not being able to be in left field all the time. It, it ended up making them bring up Mickey Moniak, who did not belong in the big leagues at this point. Uh, as you know, he's he's had some moments where he's gotten base hits and things, but you know he's made bad defensive plays. Um, you know, it just you you could just really see how little outfield depth they have beyond Bryce Harper during this stretch of bad baseball. I think it's depth all around. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's pitching depth. I think it's it's outfield depth. It's catcher depth. You know, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to pile on. You know, he, you know, Rafael Marchand. He's doing the best he can, and he he came up with a big home run the other night. And you know, he's played what three or four games and. And has been and has been okay, but you know he's still 21 and he's never played above uh, high A and and you know Moniac is 22 and hadn't played above double A and um, you know you just sort of look at it and you say well injuries were going to happen this year whether they happened early or late whether they were clustered together or spread out and it was the teams that were the deepest that were going to be the ones that got through it you know you can point to injuries and I'm sure they will if they miss the playoffs and. Uh, and there'll be some validity to that. And, and the fact that they were all concentrated in the last three weeks and, and all of that, but go try telling the Atlanta Braves about injuries. I mean, they lost pretty much their entire starting rotation and they won the division. Uh, you know, go tell the Washington nationals about injuries. They lost Steven Strasburg right off the bat and really had no chance after that. So, you know, every team has dealt with their fair share of stuff and, you know, it was, you know, it was a testament to the teams that were deepest uh, that got through it. And the Phillies just didn't didn't have the depth to do it. How about the Miami Marlins? Right. You know, lost three quarters of their roster to COVID one yeah. week into the season. You know, I was looking at uh, in, uh, injured list numbers the other day and the Phillies have had like 14 guys on the injured list for a total of like 300 days. And the Marlins, you got to triple that. I mean, the Marlins have had 30-something guys on the DL for 900-plus days. Now, a lot of that's COVID-related, but nevertheless, it took guys out of the lineup, and 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 they're right there with the Phillies uh, for second place. So, you know, again, it was the – you know, and we didn't know if that team had depth. Apparently, they did. Um, you know, and so, look, I, I just think it was a testament to how, how deep that 40-man roster went and what they had behind that in their player pool that, that really has, has the Phillies where they are. So, so this is an interesting question. I think are, are the Phillies underachievers if they get into the postseason, even if they get in or, or are they just, they achieved if they get in, is it, is it an achievement if they get into the postseason as a 30 and 30 team? Yeah, it's, you're a playoff team. It's an, it's an, it's not an under, you can't underachieve if you make the playoffs, but, it's not like a, you know, celebratory if they get swept in Chicago or Los Angeles, they lose in the first round. I don't think you're parading around that you made the playoffs. But Should they pop champagne for if they're 29 and 31 and get in? Not allowed to. No, 
No but, alcohol celebrations this year. Well, okay. Anyway, but you, you know, what I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Figured yeah. Figure they should enjoy they, it. They should enjoy that they make the playoffs. But I don't. You, if they, you know, next week they go to Chicago and they lose in the first round, it's not like everything's great. We had a successful season because we were the eighth seed in the postseason and we finished thirty and thirty or whatever. Uh, it, it is what it is. You made the playoffs in an eighteen. Um, 18 format and you need to have serious conversations about the future of the franchise if that that's what we're talking about yeah i think the answer to the question is is more nuanced than uh underachievers or was it an achievement i think it's both and that's probably a weenie answer and it kind of sits the fence but it's an underachievement because they should have been better than they were um and it's it's probably not anything worth popping champagne over were they allowed to do that um Certainly, it's not anything worth celebrating if they get swept out in the first round in in two or three games. At the same time, it is something of an achievement. Uh, you know, Bryce Harper um, gave a great answer uh, to a question last night about, you know, um, teams that need to kind of learn how to win before they win and, and, and sort of what it means to kind of get over that that wall and make the playoffs finally. And I think I do think that there will be a kind of a kind of. Um, you know, I, I do think that it would be kind of a uh, psychological achievement for them if they can finally do that after last year and the year before and getting to the brink and not getting there. And now they finally got there, albeit in an 18 playoff year where you finished 500 or maybe a game below, but still you got there. And, you know, now going forward, maybe you have a little bit of a better idea of what it takes to do it, what it takes to hang in there and to and to, and to win a playoff spot. So, yeah, I think it's an achievement, but I don't think it's anything worth celebrating. And I think they should have been better than they were. It should not have been this hard. Yeah, and and when it comes down to it, it's really about one thing, uh, and and more than anything. Not not it's not just about one thing, but it's about one thing more than way more than anything else. And we all know the answer to that one. Uh, what it's the been bull- most of that the bullpen. The bullpen. <laughs> yes, I mean if 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 this bullpen was half as competent as it's been we'd we'd be talking about that they'd still be in a race for with the Braves for division because the Braves as you pointed out have been very hurt and are and are very flawed. I mean they're they have one of the worst uh staff ERAs in all baseball. You know, so how they, about this? If if they simply don't make the trade with the Red Sox <laughs> and do, are they in the playoffs right now? They're probably no worse for wear than they are right now. Right? I bet you they're a game or two better than they are. If they just if they stand pat and they don't make that trade, they still get David Phelps and you know Jojo Romero's still in the bullpen, Connor Brogdon, they just internally And Nick Pavetta's in the bullpen. Nick Pavetta's in the bullpen and Connor Siebold yeah. might be in the starting rotation, or at least he's pitching on instead of a bullpen game. Yeah, I wonder you know, I wonder if Nick Pavetta would have been in the bullpen. Well, you you don't know if he could have if he I would have adjusted, if he would have adjusted and been successful in that role, if he yeah. could have allowed himself to do that, but I think we can all. But agree he didn't have he to be did. successful. He just he just didn't have to be. Heath Brandon Henry. Workman. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. We, I think what you're getting at is I think we and we can all agree on is that Nick Pavetta has better stuff than Brandon Workman and Heath Henry. <laughs> you know, I think I think we can all yes. agree on that. Look, if they had if they had done if they had been more proactive in the offseason, like if they had signed yep. David Phelps then or if they had signed Jake Diekman 
or like I'm not even talking about going to the top of the market and getting Drew Pomeranz or or Will Harris or like if they had added bodies, able bodied relievers in the offseason, they don't have to go make that trade with the Red Sox in August. You know, I think the most one of the more telling things that anyone has said since training camp began on the 4th of July weekend is was Brian Price about a week out from the start of the season saying, you know, we're looking for some we're, we're looking to catch lightning in a bottle in our bullpen. And he said, like, we're looking for some guys to emerge that we didn't expect. Like, that's not anything you want to be saying a week from the start of the season. When you and have the fifth highest or sixth highest payroll in baseball. When you have this. Yeah. And, and when you have an expanded bullpen. Right. I mean, you've got, you know, a, an 11 man bullpen or something to start the season. And you can't think of more than five or six guys who are like locks to make that bullpen. That's that's not really reassuring. And I thought it was really, really telling that that he said those things. And it was it was indicative of, of how much or how little confidence he had in the group and, and how little maybe just pure talent there was there. Yeah. Last year they ignored the starting rotation and that was the main reason why they missed the playoffs this year. They ignored the bullpen. And if they miss, if they miss the playoffs, that's going to be the main reason why they missed it. I mean, I've thought about this a little bit, like in in fairness to Matt Klintak, like he's not the first GM who's had trouble building a bullpen. Like, you know, I covered Dave Dombrowski and, you know, when he was in Detroit, he, he had great teams there. And for years it was the bullpen that, that really sank those teams that prevented them from winning world series in the end. Um, you know, and, and like, how do you, you know, Klintak goes out two winters ago and he signs David Robertson, who was as safe a bet as there was given his track record of both health and performance. And he goes out and gives you seven appearances, blows out his elbow and he doesn't pitch for you again. Like that's just bad luck. You know, that was a sound reasonable signing and it was just bad luck. So I can understand how a general man, how that would make a GM a little gun shy when it comes to signing relievers but you can't you you had to do something you couldn't have done nothing last offseason like they did nothing and they 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 crossed their fingers that sir anthony dominguez would be healthy and that victor arana would be healthy and you know we know sir anthony wasn't Arana. there's something going on with arano because he hasn't pitched for them this year um you know and and they were hoping that some of these flyers they took on veteran guys would pay off they didn't i mean so they basically just sat there and, and, you know, their inactivity on the bullpen is really what hurt them in the end. I'm, yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the choir. <laughs> I'm in the choir. You know, it, it's, it's going to be, it, it's, it was the story from the beginning of the season. Uh, it's been the story throughout the season and it's going to be the story of after the season, no matter, no matter what happens here, unless by some, Miracle, and I think we, you know, we all believe that the chances of miracle are zero. Uh, you know, it's going to be the talk of after the season with bullpen. I mean, and and it's going to, it's going to be the debate over whether Matt Contact should keep his job or not, based on the bullpen. Now, if they if they do make the playoffs and um, Nolan Wheeler pitched this weekend, and then the first game's Wednesday night, who do you? Uh... Is Zach Eflin starting Wednesday night, or do you are you tempted to start one of your guys on short rest? No, you start Zach Eflin, especially based on the way he's pitched the last two games. I mean, Zach Eflin, he's he can be maddening sometimes too because you see the way he pitched last night and the way or you know the way he he pitched on the final game like that series and then the way he pitched in the 
against the Blue Jays. And then you go back a few starts before that. The Braves have been the most explosive offensive team in baseball this year. The way he pitched against them in that start. And you're like, bottle that somehow. Because when you bottle that, you've got a third, a number three in your rotation. And, you know, that's as good as any number three in baseball. So, and the way he's, you go with the hot hand and he's a hot hand. You, you pitch him. Yeah, yeah I that's agree the thing. That. Like, we've seen this Zach Eflin before. It's just a matter of, like you said, bottling it up and seeing it consistently. Yeah. I mean, down the stretch last year, like last September, he was really good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, probably separated, definitely separated himself from Velasquez and Pavetta with, with mm-hmm. the way he finished last year. And, you know, why don't you see that guy more often or why, why don't you see him on a consistent basis? You know, it's probably a question for down the road. I think the fact that they're seeing that guy now, um, you know, Joe Girardi said last night, I'd do cartwheels if I could start him in game one. And 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 I, I don't think that's Joe Girardi blowing smoke. I think he does feel really good about how he how he's pitching right now. And He's your guy. The problem is, what if you need him? Like, you know, so I asked Girardi that question last night. Like, like, what if you've got a lead in the eighth inning, like a one run lead in the eighth inning and Nola's done on Sunday, you know, and you've got to, you've got to get three outs in an inning in the eighth or ninth. Is Zach Eflin on, on short rest, a possibility to come out of the bullpen? And Girardi didn't dismiss it. He said he would talk to Eflin about it. Eflin says, I'm ready when you, whenever you need me. I mean, that's something that the bullpen is so bad. You could potentially see that on Sunday, and then you've got to decide: Do you bring Eflin back on Wednesday on on you know on shorter rest uh, after pitching an inning uh, uh, a high stress inning on Sunday? You know that would be an interesting decision. Or do you bring Vince Velasquez in on full rest to start Game One? Um, you know, I mean that's that's not a decision Girardi's going to want to have to make. But what if he does have to make it? Yeah, I think you know, we will definitely see that on Sunday if if they need it. I think it makes all the sense in the world to have him on, have Zach Eflin on three days rest coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, it would substitute a bullpen session, right? I mean, it would exactly. be a very very high stress bullpen session if it goes right. Um, and and then in theory, he could pitch. I would imagine he could start game one, but it's dicey though. If you have to do that, you know, that's that's a dicey situation to have to to have to deal with. Yeah, I, I I would my my plan A in that situation, you know, and it's not a great plan A, but it would be to go go with other guys and maybe maybe have Vinny be that guy, um, even though he's pitching Friday night. Maybe have him be that guy who you try to get an inning out of. I don't know. How um, aggressive do you think Joe Girardi will be Friday night with Velasquez, and and the likelihood that Spencer Howard's probably going to be in the bullpen this weekend? He, he, Vinny's going to be on a short leash. I mean, he's going to have to be. Yeah. You know, he's he's going to have to be. So um, they they need to get what they got out of him the last start. They really do. Uh, one of the things, and I feel like I feel like I've done this. I feel like probably we've all done this at, at different points in the season. The one thing we probably don't uh, point out enough. Maybe we do, but I don't because there's. There's so much focus on what this team doesn't do, rightly so. It's amazing how good this team's offense has been um, all year. Uh, you know, except you when at, they're facing Austin Voth in the first game of a doubleheader <laughs> in Washington. Well, that 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 was that they came up small there, but I mean that <laughs> that, that that can that can happen to a, a, a right. lot of teams. Um, and you know, it, it it was a lineup with with Harper banged up and without Hoskins, but but they've managed to. 
you know, pretty consistently put up runs all season long. And, and, and they're right there with the Dodgers and the Yankees and all those teams. If you look at the other teams' runs per game, they're with all these teams that are in the playoffs. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think their, their credit does belong to that offense for all they've done for this year. No, totally. I agree. It just also goes to show you how difficult it is to out-hit your bullpen. You know, that's a really hard way to win. Well, especially historically bad bullpen. Yeah, and I think Girardi was asked that question recently. Like, you know, can you, you know, in a short season like this, could, can, you, can you win that way? And he said, you know, maybe you can win that way for a little while, but really, it's really, really a tough way to live if you have to worry about, you know, every single lead you have and whether it's big enough and, uh, the bullpen has proven this year that really no lead is big enough. Um, and, and that's a hard way to play. It's a really hard way to play. A lot of stress on your offense when you have to do that. And, um, you know, it's just – and it certainly doesn't work in the playoffs. You know, that no team's ever been able to out-hit their pitching in the playoffs. So, um, you know, but you're right. I mean, and they are where they are because their offense has been good. I mean, can you imagine if they had an ordinary offense? You know, they'd be, they'd be, they'd be done. They'd be the Washington Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. That seem, seems like a good place to leave it, boys. So, <laughs> so what do we say? How many do they? How many games do they win this weekend? And do they make the playoffs? And, uh, yeah. Those two questions. I'm going to go one out of three, and no. I'm um, going to say two out of three, and they make the playoffs. As the wild card or as the second place team? As the wild card. This is a question I don't know. I should know. I cover the Phillies for a living. Uh, but if they're tied with the Marlins, who wins that? The Marlins. Marlins the Marlins. Marlins. Head to, from on the head, head to head. head. Okay, head to head. I was thinking. And then uh, division uh, record. Everybody talks the, about the division record. Yeah, but that's yeah, they, for the wild cards. So, so, I, they're, I think, so they're really still – there's still really a game and a half behind the Marlins. Right. Exactly. So. so tonight, as we record this on Thursday, this Marlins game on Thursday night is really big. Yeah. You know, that could almost eliminate the Phillies in a way if the Marlins can win that win that game tonight in Atlanta. I am going to say that they win one out of three and that they make the playoffs as a wild card team because the rest of these teams are so bad. And By winning just one out of three? Yeah. Yeah, wow. I think they're going to win one out of three and be the eighth seed. Wow, that As would 29 be twenty nine and thirty one. That would be twenty nine and thirty one. Yeah. I, th- I, th- that's all they need. I mean, as crazy yeah. as it sounds, you know, just and don't they, get they, swept. They win all the tiebreakers of those other teams, right? Uh, so. I'm not sure about that. I'd have Some of them are still up in the air because they're yeah. not done. Okay, with their division play, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Playoffs I start think... Friday night. They don't start next yeah. Wednesday. That's right. Uh, that's great baseball talk. I love it. Well, so it's a huge series, and we will uh, be back probably next week to talk about what happened. Uh, in the meantime, for Matt Breen and Bob Brookover, I'm Scott Lauber. Please check out everything uh, we're writing on Inquirer.com in the pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>